What's up, y'all? This is Ramel Watley, and welcome to Truck and Hustle, the podcast for trucking entrepreneurs. If you want to learn about the trucking industry from the business side of things, you're in the right place. Every week, I interview the people who are making it happen on a daily basis. I get them to share their successes, their failures, and sometimes even their secrets. The goal is to show you how you too can create financial freedom in the booming trucking industry. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. We eat a lot of bread. We do. <laughs> and you don't realize when you how think much about it, we eat. everything is bread. Right. right? It's like yeah. you have to have bread in the house. Like the first question my wife asked, we got bread? Yeah, milk, eggs, bread. The bread delivery space is 10 times larger than the FedEx space. You know, and in FedEx, it's a $70 billion business. What? Uh, so it's That is crazy when you think about it. A lot of bread. <laughs> Making that dough, man. Making that dough. Turn my mic up. For you. Take there. Yeah, yeah, uh. On the road to the riches, life takes a toll like bridges. Good friends become foes and snitches. Better watch who knows in your business. All right, all right, all right. Hustle fam, hustle fam. We are back with another amazing episode. And today I am joined by Mrs. Anna Lee Kate from Route Consultant. <laughs> Not Route Consultants. I used to always call Everybody you guys Route it. Consultants, but. <laughs> told myself today i'm gonna say route consultant no s no s so many times yeah <laughs> no s no s out of nashville tennessee one of my favorite places man tennessee is a beautiful state there's a lot of cool cities in in tennessee there are a lot of cool cities yeah i'm uh, from nashville but from nashville before it was cool to be from nashville You're so from old nashville yeah that's like only in the last 10 years that it's actually a cool place to be from so yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we were talking about that. that you have like the uh like the social scene is kind of starting to boom a little bit yeah oh yeah well i starting to boom we're the bachelorette capital uh okay. at this okay. point and you really can't even walk through downtown nashville without seeing the pedal taverns of bachelorettes i don't know why anybody would want to do essentially cardio exercise while they're drinking on Broadway but that is that's a marathon sport now. so when you say the bachelorette what do you mean like bachelorettes go there it's a bachelorette party city like really? every weekend is cowgirl hats cowgirl boots and oh. bachelorettes they flood the streets I, I wonder of I wonder who inspired that is it was it like a movie or something that happened in first and then all of a sudden it got popular well it's a good question actually I think that the show Nashville might have been the beginning of the end for Nashville <laughs> <laughs> just kidding but that was definitely i think that, that started a little the bit. wave that started it the just, wave it, it yeah, ushered it in yeah we made primetime tv and it, it was that was, it was it on after that it was so, all yeah. done all right <laughs> yeah. cool all right cool so route consultant a business uh, company that i'm very familiar with i, I interviewed uh, spencer maybe about a year ago um and we had a great great talk and um, i'm excited to hear about what you guys are doing you are the ceo of route consultant That's so right. I'm, I'm definitely excited to hear about the business you have guys have multiple verticals that you guys kind of work in so i want to hear about all that and just kind of you know talk about you let's <laughs> let's let's talk about you today um let's start with where are you from nashville i'm born and raised in nashville which again is atypical now there's like 100 people a day moving to nashville presently and so nobody's uh, from there anymore anymore it seems but actually a lot of our office is uh, Nashville locals so. okay got it uh where'd you go to high school I went to Harpeth Hall Harpeth Hall yeah. all right and how what type of student were you were you a good student were you athletic what was your thing in high school I was a theater nerd theater. so yes okay you're gonna be the guilty as charged dance actually well acting and dance unfortunately I uh, tried to do all the musicals but I'm wildly tone deaf so that's what would get me every time is they would it, 
Actually, this is probably too much information, but they used <laughs> I want to it. cast what, I like me in, in lead roles and then rewrite the play to where somebody else would come on and sing the songs because I could act <laughs> and I could dance, but I was you that bad at singing. Oh, that they, my God. I'd go, this reminds me of a time and freeze, and somebody else would come on stage and do an amazing <laughs> ballad, and then I would go, what a memory, and I would right. continue with the scene. So, But that that's... actually, that probably spiced it up a little bit. It made it a little different. Yeah, never a dull moment, you know, that's so for that's sure. Pretty cool. <laughs> All right. So so after high school, did you continue on in the theater, the path of theater or what happened? After I that? did not. I uh, stayed. It, I was a dancer and I, I did dance through college, but I uh, was always working and uh, got really involved in school and uh, was very focused on studies. And, and so kind of shifted gears. Not that I wasn't focused on studies in college. Mom, right, right. I was. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, then really uh, got got pretty involved in, in school and, and trying to figure out what I wanted to be when I grew up. Where'd so. you go to college? I went to UT Knoxville, so oh. stayed stayed close to home. I was a first generation college student, so okay. my mom was like, "You can get a few hours away to be on your own, but you can't leave the state." Basically, I feel the same <laughs> way. I tell my daughters the same thing. You could go, uh, you know, I need like a two hour, like no more than that, right? Yeah, my so mom has lived you. on the same street her whole life, like yeah. literally never moved off of the same street. So even just uh, getting outside of Nashville was a big deal. So got it. Okay, so. What did you study in college? So, well, ironically, I actually started with a logistics major, and I Get said, "This is so boring. I don't want to do this." I could imagine that. <laughs> and what, I what was it called? What was it called? Because I mean, supply, supply chain. chain. Yes. I was gonna say because yes. they don't really offer logistics. It's usually like some type of supply chain management or something like that. That's right. What and made you get into that? Well, UT had an amazing program, and I knew I wanted to do a business degree. So I was, I was, I knew I wanted to go into business as a kid. I was always into it and into entrepreneurship, and I wasn't sure exactly what facet you know of business. Everybody said sales and I acted like I was never going to get into sales because of it but at the same time I used to I would literally ransack our pantry or my grandmother's garden and sell the food back to them so they could cook dinner so they were like you're definitely going to be in sales right but I fought it fought it fought it and then ended up uh, at UT started supply chain switched ended up in finance and uh, graduated in finance which I knew would be a good foundation but I still wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do got it but you had the supply chain back Background. You got to t touch it a little bit, taste yep. it, and feel it. Yeah. So it was in there somewhere. In yes, your DNA, it was somewhere. Yeah, buried right? down in the recesses. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Cool. So once you graduate, what what happens next? So I graduated and I took a job in sales and thought, okay, let me just save some money. I, I really thought I wanted to open my own business. Uh, so that was where I was more geared. I did all the, you know, entrepreneurship programs and competitions and, and mm. studied that, you know, when I was in school and thought, okay, if I can just save up some money, learn some skills, I want to start my own business and uh, started working in sales and uh, ended up wanting to move back to Nashville and reconnecting with a friend from my childhood who had actually just taken a job at one of our affiliate companies uh, working for Spencer. Okay. And so it, it was sort of one of those, I think you almost would have to say divine intervention uh, type experiences where she said, well, if you're moving back to town, I think you're in sales, right? Do you want to try to sell a company? And I was like, oh, <laughs> 
<laughs> I guess, right, you know, right, how right. hard could that be? A sale is a sale, right? Yeah, you know, and I'm like, what type of business is it? She's like, logistics. I'm like, ugh, I tried to get away from that, you right, know? Right. Um, but I ended up asking some more questions and learning about the FedEx model. And a lot of people don't realize that the person coming to your door in a FedEx uniform, you know, to deliver that, that box is not a FedEx employee. Most people think that that's a FedEx ground employee. That's right. And so I had no idea this entire ecosystem was out there. And just after learning about the businesses and realizing that it it really is an incredible opportunity to get into something where from a sales background, I know how hard sales can be. And so a business where you don't have to do the sales, you don't have to do the marketing. It's just a business that uh, you have to operate really, really well. Uh, so I was curious and intrigued and and. Uh, joined the team with absolutely no idea what I was signing up for. I was employee number one for route consultant. Really? Yep. Okay. And uh, basically, you know, Spencer handed me a packet for a business and said, see if you can find somebody who wants to buy this. <laughs> <laughs> so it was that, like, I have no idea what I'm doing. And then, that is you crazy. know, within five years, we had 100 employees and we're doing $150 million a year of FedEx business brokerage. And so wow. it was an absolute just hold on and, and enjoy the ride experience. Okay, so. so let's unpack that. So number one, you said you want to be an, an entrepreneur. Why? You have any entrepreneurs in the family? I do. So my parents actually weren't, but my family, we had a lot of, so basically, I mean, I come from rural Tennessee, you know, my background, my, my roots and, you know, my, my uh, great grandfather started a real estate business and then eventually my family ended up in the lumber business. And mm. so, you know, we had a, a family lumber company that's still in Nashville and, you know, you can see the little Oakley lumber, you know, signs in Nashville. And that's, that's been our family business for a long time. And so I saw kind of the difference, you know, versus my parents did not do entrepreneurship. And I saw the difference that being an entrepreneur and actually building equity versus just building, you know, W-2 income, like the difference that that could make in the trajectory uh, of someone's life. And so I just, I loved it. I loved everything about, you know, having something that's your own and, you know, building it and getting, getting to design the culture and the ecosystem and the systems. And so I, I was always in love with business, but For I just sure. didn't For know what to do. Where, where you start, right? Yeah. And, and, and the interesting thing is, you know, even though you, you know, worked with Spencer at Route Consultant, you still kind of like were an entrepreneur because it was like the business just started, right? Yeah, that's right. It was <laughs> Well, and that's that was the amazing part. And, you know, I've joked over the years that it's like I always wanted to be, you know, an entrepreneur and do it on my own. And and if it wasn't such an incredible team that I was a part of, I'd be doing it. But it's when you find that amazing team and, and kind of realize sometimes that the, there can be something bigger than just just you that you can be a part of. And it makes a bigger, bigger impact, a bigger splash that way. So that's that's what you know has kept me because it's it's just been an incredible experience to be part of a team. But yeah, for sure. No, I, I dig it. It uh, fulfills that need. Yeah, you know, yeah. No, 100%. I, I got to do it. Scratches the itch, right? That's right. Yeah, absolutely. Got it. Got it. OK. And I, I want to go back to uh, just touch on that. You said when you walked in the door, Spencer handed you a, a, a folder and yeah. said, sell this business. Yeah. What what does that look like? But just kind of to explain like what you're going through trying to figure out what, what does that even mean? Yeah. I mean, my first step was to go grab one of my finance textbooks and be like, okay, a P&L. I remember <laughs> this, you know, because I was I was 23. I was just out of school, really, with no real life experience yet. And so I had to, you know, get myself up to speed pretty quickly and, and think about, well, how are we going to market this? What platforms are there? You know, how do we leverage you know, things like biz by sell and, and, you know, build a brand, build a website, you know, how do we do those things? I remember the first iteration 
of the route consultant website. You know, I built it at a, a bowling alley restaurant, you know, eating truffle fries. And, you know, we were trying to put together a website. I didn't know anything about building a website. So I'm on Squarespace drag and dropping, you know, trying to figure that out. It looks much better now. And we have an amazing team of people that have significantly improved the quality of the website. From, right. You know, from the early days. But yeah, it was just brick by brick kind of attacking whatever whatever needed to happen that day to to try to get it built. So got it. So you start out and like you said, you go from selling that one business to yeah. multiple yeah. businesses. And that becomes the first that's the first business model for route consultant. Correct. That's right. OK, got it. And then you guys expanded into other things. So just trying to tell me just to put context around what you guys do currently. Right. We'll kind of jump back and forth sure. from between, you know, where you guys started, where you're at now. But just put in context for the audience, what do you guys do now, Route Consult? Yeah, so um, so Spencer and the rest of our team had built a substantial operating business in the FedEx space. So, you know, they worked their way up to be the largest operators in the FedEx space, actually moving cardboard across the country. And then off of that, you know, Route Consultant emerged and, and was born. And then really from there, you know, we've spent the last decade understanding the last mile ecosystem and industry and trying to figure out basically what problems need to be solved for entrepreneurs in that space because it's a dynamic space it's constantly changing so we've built you know from there a lot of consulting uh, and education courses and content live events that's from a route consultant perspective one of the other big things that we do is really provide that networking and community for the last mile contractor space and for the line hall contractor space uh, as well as, you know, doing a lot of education just to try to help them run their businesses more profitably, more efficiently, to be able to grow and scale their businesses efficiently, which is, you know, such an important part of being able to build, you know, an, a long-term investment is being able to scale efficiently. So we help with that. Um, and then from there, we've had several other product lines that have emerged. So we, we're now the fastest growing uh, lease product for last mile operators. So we have a, a full service vehicle lease essentially where operators can lease their step vans to do package delivery and we have them set up retrofit with everything that they need to operate successfully and it's a three-year full service lease where all of their maintenance is included so they don't have that variable cost where they don't know what their expenses are going to be on a weekly monthly basis it's just a set payment okay um, which is huge for you know again a first-time operator trying to come into a space and wanting to be able to anticipate cash flow, you know, to make sure that they can sustain. So that's been a really revolutionary, you know, change in our business. Uh, we have, you know, financial and tax advising services within the business. Uh, we have a, a staffing solution uh, affiliate that we work with that helps onboard all the last mile drivers uh, for contractors as well. Um, so we're just constantly uh, evolving and, and seeing new new segments emerge, you know, to be able to, to help uh, with, with the contractor base. So you guys are like a fully integrated, like, service provider for these contractors. Yeah, we really try to be a one-stop shop kind of gatekeeper solution that basically says if you're going to get into this space you know let us partner with you walk the journey with you and make sure that you really avoid a lot of the pitfalls that we fell into right. uh, on the operating side when we were learning and scaling and and we try to really guide them through every step now is this particularly focused on fedex contractors or is it outside of fedex as well 
So we've spent the last decade really focused on FedEx contractors, and um, really part of what I'm excited to talk about uh, at Freight Fest and and with a lot of the things we're doing is our whole you know Q4 is going to be a lot of fun announcements around ways that we're expanding. Okay. And, uh, we've really found other industries that actually need a lot of the same things that we've offered and that we that based off the expertise that we've built for the last decade. And so um, one of the first ones, and some of them I'll hold back, some of the exciting <laughs> announcements that okay. we're going to be rolling out you know, okay. over Q4. But uh, one of the really exciting ones that I'm going to be talking about at Freight Fest is uh, we're going to be diversifying the bread routes. And so we've been doing a lot of research and found some really amazing strategic partners in the bread space that operate these businesses and they're very similar, you know, to FedEx businesses. It's the same vehicles, it's the same demographic of drivers. You know, the the upside is that, and I'm blowing one of my jokes from Freight Fest, but uh, <laughs> the facilities smell so much better <laughs> than, than the FedEx right, facilities. Right, right. Yeah, everything smells like fresh baked bread. So okay. Um, so we're really excited about that and, and see a lot of potential to be able to bring that in and and especially for a lot of the investors that we work with that are trying to find that right foray into entrepreneurship, or maybe they're already entrepreneurs, but they're looking to expand and diversify. We feel like bread adds some really interesting differences, but again, it partners really well with, with the ecosystem that we've built in FedEx. So, Got it. So uh, I, I like that bread route. Sounds interesting. <laughs> doesn't sound like something that people are talking about every day or often or at all. Yep. How did you guys stumble upon this opportunity? Yeah, uh, I would say this is another one of those that probably feels like divine intervention. But <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so we actually had a, a bread route operator that, you know, no short of essentially uh, stalked our business and stalked Spencer to corner him to talk about the similarities and potential. And so we've ended up uh, joining forces to learn about the bread space. And, and he was right that it's an incredible compliment to what we do. Mm. Uh, so that that's it was it's a funny story. We he tried to get into one of our events and I have about a 110 pounds soaking wet events director who short of security <laughs> escorted him out like you can't be here and then we found out later he had a really good reason to be there so we're really glad he finally got past her but <laughs> right 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 yeah okay so can you give me a little bit of insight on the bread routes like how, how does yeah. that work I mean where do we I mean how do we know who is making the breaking the baking the bread how, yeah. give, give, take me into the world of bread routes I'm very interested in this so absolutely let's talk about it. So, you know, fascinatingly, and this is how I think a lot of logistics spaces have emerged is we, you know, it starts with a bakery, right? That, you know, their expertise is baking bread. And so at some point, finding finding the fact that they have to get that bread to the consumer, uh, a logistics network is born, uh, like, like in most things. And so with the bread space, a lot of it still centers around the grocery stores. And so I actually got the chance recently to go right along with a bread route. And, you know, the the one difference is that schedule, woo, because if you think about the grocery store, it's, you know, open by 7 a.m. in most places. And so at, you know, four in the morning, we were in a, a a, dis a depot, a distribution hub, mm. uh, you know, which I just wanted to eat everything right at four in the morning. You surround me in a room full of pastries. That was so cruel. <laughs> right, right, right. Right. But, you know, so we're there and, um, you know, the, the bread has to get sorted into the different locations that it's going to. And then you, you get to go into the behind the scenes world of a grocery store, which, again, like the FedEx route. You know, I really didn't realize even just how much building is behind the grocery store. There's these huge warehouse spaces behind grocery stores that you don't realize that have all of this food storage and an entire 
underworld team of grocery stocking. Like there's an egg lady and a bread guy and a, you know, it was just. Sometimes you see their hands like just come out of like. Right. Somewhere, and then they you just know, snatch I'm it walking back real quick, through. Right? Yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> but you don't see anything else. It's just maybe a hand. That's yeah. It. You're like, where did that come from? And, you know, and they're just in there like arranging eggs and bread. And it's like, this is a whole other one. I felt so bad for the cat food guy. I'm like, that's heavy. And like. That's a tough one, yeah. you know, so so you see that and and it's all about placement in the stores and, and how to network with the, the grocery store managers to get great placement for great products on specialty weekends. And so, you know, the one major distinction between bread that we've seen kind of from FedEx. And so this is why, again, I love the pairing is that in the FedEx space. It's all about being an amazing operator, but you have that reliable revenue stream that's coming in. So you're making two or three million dollars a year and not doing any sales to do it, which is incredible. Right. But in the bread space, you have that same reliable weekly paid revenue stream, but you can actually do upselling. And so there is the ability to manipulate your revenue in the bread space and drive revenue in a way that we actually don't have in the FedEx space. So that's why I think it makes a really good complement is you can build these reliable income streams, but then bolt things on that give you the ability to, to increase your sales. Like you can get out in your territory and market and pick up delis and, and additional mm. bread distribution stops basically, or, or you know, customers that need bread. Got you. We eat a lot of bread. We do, <laughs> and you don't realize when you how think much about it. We eat. everything is bread, right? right? It's like yeah. you have to have bread in the house. Like the first question my wife asks, we got bread. Yeah, milk, eggs, bread. Even like, if we dr- even if we eat it or not, like you gotta have yeah, it somewhere. Yeah, you have it. All right, so so th- these are like multiple distribution centers all throughout the country that have that are these bread bread bakeries that deliver to grocery stores throughout the country. Is That's that how right, it works? and it's kind of like also in the you know in the the film industry you don't always realize the parent company of who owns what, but it's like you know there's all the the drama of like well Sarah Lee's actually under this brand <laughs> and you know so we don't we don't buy intimate you know right. like it's just like Borden and yeah, Sarah they're, they're, like they're really together. Watching Dave's Killer Bread, they're pretty upset about you know so. <laughs> There's all this extra bread drama that I had no idea was happening behind the scenes, too. But, yeah, they roll up to these, you know, parent company bakeries. So, you know, we've been really spending a lot of time in uh, the Bimbo, which is one of the largest uh, bakeries in the world. Um, Pepperidge Farm. So lots of lots of different uh, avenues that we're exploring there in the bread space. So do you know how many like different uh, bread like major players there are in the bread space? Like the different. Yeah. So, you know, really Pepperidge Farm, uh, Bimbo, and then you sort of get into Flowers Bakery, which is another big player in the space. And then I guess it's sort of a snowball in terms of how you classify different things because you also have snack routes, right? And so you have Mission Tortilla routes, which is a substantial uh, segment as well. So even though it's not technically bread, it's you know, a, a tortilla bread. is in Bre- that family, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So you have okay. Mission Tortilla routes, such a huge player. Um, so it, it, it I mean, there's actually even deli routes like boar's head is the premium, you know, like you can't even get your hands on a boar's head. Oh route. yeah. That's, that's, the, that's the real deal. Yeah. That's the fancy stuff. Um, so <laughs> it's actually a huge network. There would, there wouldn't even just be a handful of players. It's, it's a oh, huge wow. space. That's yeah. crazy. Even I guess just to put this in perspective too, um, you know, so the, the bread delivery space is 10 times larger than the FedEx space, you know, and in FedEx, it's a $70 billion business. What? Uh, so it's that is crazy when you think a lot about of bread that. <laughs> making that dough, man, making that dough. that's the title of my session. So it's an opportunity to make more dough. Make Actually, dough. it's 10 things you need to know. Need it's a pun. Know. It's a really punny session to get so, that yeah, dough. To get that dough. Yeah. <laughs> 
I like that. I like that. Yeah. All right. Okay. So I'm 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 just exploring this a little bit. That's more. right. We'll, we'll jump we'll jump off and on. All right. So you have the DCs. What type of equipment typically pick up these these this bread? Is it like like vans or what what is it? Step vans. So Step it's vans. the same thing that we're using the FedEx space. You'll actually see also a lot of the smaller so like transit vans can be used uh, I've learned it depends on how high the bread stacks you know it depends on <laughs> how much bread at that particular stop but they just have stacks and towers of bread that they're loading into the back um, it's actually even simpler because the the vehicles that we're using in the bread space you don't have to have a lot of the shelving so they're actually less expensive less customized than than what we need in the FedEx space because they're just rolling pallets of bread mm. uh, into them but it's a standard set fan so like what you think of when you see a, a U-Haul truck or a Penske truck it's just like that. What you think of, even again, when you see a step van from a FedEx, that's even more than a lot of bread bread route operators are even using. But that would be it'd be a nice addition to that space, actually. Got it. And these routes are purchased. They are. So you you can, in some scenarios, still get uh, routes in the same way that in the FedEx space. 20 years ago, you could you could get uh, routes directly from FedEx ground. There's still some territories in the same way in bread that you can get directly from companies like Bimbo. But most territories are owned. So somebody, you know, started with that one bread route. And I mean, if it's like it really, if you think about it, it's back to the days of like the milkman, right? Yeah, this yeah, is the yeah. bread guy, you know? Right. <laughs> and so, you know, 20, 30 years ago, right, somebody got the rights to deliver the, the bread in that town. And then that's grown to, well, this this suburb and this county and this street. And so now these territories are owned uh, by these bread route distributors. That who, who do they get the rights from? Like who are they getting direct from the bakeries? So so, the so they're contracting the directly with Bimbo, for example. Okay. For the rights to, um, you know, for us in Nashville. So somebody has the Williamson County bimbo grocery routes and and they can get really specific to the point where it's even like oh he's got the walmart like that's, mm, that's, like that's prime real estate that's big. yeah right <laughs> so there's all this again kind of complexity to to how different every territory is but uh these yeah these contracts they're evergreen contracts typically right just like in the fedex space so you know these guys have been operating these routes for for 30 years some of them have grown their businesses to add additional routes a lot of them actually don't you know have kind of the the experience or the background on the business side to scale them so when they get too much volume they'll actually just give it back to the bakery and say mm. give this to somebody else which again not dissimilar from the early FedEx days a lot of them don't realize what they have uh, in terms of the fact that somebody else coming in would love to acquire that territory and be able to immediately generate revenue off of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fascinating. It's, it's probably like maybe it's a second generation, a third generation business, and they just don't want the headache of it anymore. And they're it's, like, somebody exactly, take it off my end. That's exactly right. So how many transactions are being made with, with these bread routes like on, on a, let's say, annual basis? Like how many people are selling trading whatever it is on their routes like how is there opportunity to get in like how easy yeah. is it to get to yeah get in? there's absolutely opportunity to get in i i think it will be a probably a lot like the fedex space too where you know when we first got into it a lot of it traded in-house and so right now there's there's not a good measure of exactly how much is changing hands offline because a lot of it is just within the building that hey we've you know we've worked together for 20 years i'm ready to quit here's the keys right, right. so you go run the route right um <clears throat> But in the same way in the FedEx space, I think as these bread route operators wake up to realize that they've built real equity value in these businesses, you know, and that people are coming into this looking for, again, that chance at 
at the dream, right, to build their own business, be their own boss, you know, scale something and run an operation, uh, I think we're going to see more of them shift to the public market than than we've ever seen. And we're already starting to, to see that now in, in listing inventory. Like I said, you're going to see some fun updates to our website in Q4 where you'll see all of our bread inventory that we've been working on start to pop up. Uh, and so we've we've had tons of interest from the bread rod operators saying, wow, I really didn't even realize I could sell this. Right. Or I'd never thought about it. And I had no idea anybody would actually want to pay, pay me that for this business. Yeah, and, they've just been doing it and just, you know, yeah. living off of it. And it yeah. just... And they probably guys, don't think about it like that. Yeah, if you think about it too, I mean, it's like holidays, weekends, like a lot of these businesses are, you know, all week long, they're running these, they don't get a day off, right? Because we never stop eating, right, as a society. So, <laughs> right. you know, they're restocking the grocery store every day. And so a lot of these guys never really get vacations. Um, so it, it's it's something that I think a, a lot of that space is, uh, is in for hopefully in some exciting shakeup. Got it. How, how do you guys, I'm just interested, how do you guys enter into this space? Being being new to this space, how do you evaluate a bread route and put the value on it, you know, to, to try to educate these sellers on what they potentially have? What, what, what goes into your market research in order to understand what the value of these routes are? Yeah. Um, so a, a couple different things. So, so first of all, there's, there's an existing precedent for valuation from the bakeries themselves. So actually the this is a difference between the FedEx space and the bread space so that the bread route operators are actually, when they first got in, purchasing these businesses direct from the bakeries. Um, you can actually finance them as well through the bakeries. A lot of the bakeries you know, provide kind of an in-house financing solution. And uh, however, watch that interest rate. I can <laughs> hopefully we'll shepherd you to some other yeah, financing yeah, It's options, a rising interest yeah, rate, no pun intended. Rate, but it's amazing that they offer that as a way into the space. You didn't catch uh, my joke, the rising interest rate. Oh, no. That was a good one. That was a <gasps> that good was one. That was so you know? good. That's, I got wow. one in there. You know? Yeah, it went right over my head. <laughs> wow. And I like literally it's it's the last like month or two, my poor team. Like I just make bread jokes all. You have to. Yeah. In all to. of our meetings. They're literally all just, oh, they're miserable. But. They're sick of you. That's <laughs> why you didn't catch it. It's just, you're yeah. used to doing it. I'm but. like, yeah, I'm so used to it. <laughs> all right. Great. Go ahead. Um, so you said the interest rate. Yeah. Yep. So, you know, with the interest rates, you got to watch those pieces. But there's direct financing options available. Um, and so in in that structure, the um, the bakeries themselves put a valuation uh, on the on the businesses and the revenue. But I think what we're seeing, and we've been doing a lot of market research, I've got a whole team of analysts back at the office that's combed through every bread listing uh, available on the public market. We've you know built a database of all of that to, to just analyze what we're seeing in that space. Um, and it trends at uh, similar, but actually less lower multiples than in the FedEx space. Okay, um, what's so the multiple? We, yeah, so, uh, oh, Great question. So a multiple. No, no, not what's the multiple. What is oh, the multiple? Oh, I was like. Okay. I mean, you can explain what a multiple yeah. is too for people to understand, but then what yeah. is the multiple? Yeah. So <laughs> in the FedEx space, we typically sell at about a four times uh, EBITDA earnings. So so whatever that, that profitability of the business is, EBITDA earnings before interest taxes, depreciation, amortization, whatever that profitability is we're going to put a four times multiple. So for example, a lot of FedEx businesses, you know, if you do a million dollars a year in revenue, you're making, you know, $200,000 a year in EBITDA earnings at a four times multiple, that's going to be an $800,000 purchase price for that FedEx business. What we're seeing in the bread space is that uh, typically on that, you might have, you know, $600,000 worth of revenue on a typical bread route, but that route 
Uh, and again, that's just one route. And then on that bread route, we're seeing those trade at about uh, 250,000 average purchase price for those. You know, you're putting 10, maybe 20% down. So 25 to $50,000 down uh, on a $250,000 purchase price, financing the rest. Um, and, and multiple wise, we see those tend to be in like the two to three times uh, at the high end on the multiples. Okay, okay. Got it. And then in terms of uh, equipment, you said it's the same type of equipment as Step Vans for that. That's right. And you guys are actually helping with leasing that equipment. Too, yeah, right? we're actually working on uh, making that pivot now to be able to offer our full service lease as well for bread rod operators. So. Okay. All right. Cool. So if someone was looking to get into this space, what would be the first step that they should take? Yeah, absolutely. So somebody interested uh, in getting into the bread space should check out our website. So they should go to uh, (laughs) (laughs) www.routeconsultant.com. Shameless plug. (laughs) Um, But uh, they should absolutely just go to our website and do an inquiry. And so we've got an entire, I call them our breadwinners, but we have a bread team. (laughs) (laughs) Another one. (laughs) Another one, yeah. (laughs) I know you guys are toast, don't worry. Did you see that one too? I got it. I got it. It it didn't go by me. I caught it. I caught it. Um, So uh, that's right. So we've got an entire team that's really focused uh, on the bread space and working with bread rod operators. They've been, you know, riding along in depots and and getting the whole experience and and working with a lot of different bread operators. Uh, And so just reaching out directly to our team is the best way to get started. And they're going to help you find a business that makes sense in your area, you know, geographically that makes sense for you. Um, and, and guide you through every step of the way. Are there any prime locations or areas for these routes? And you, you said area, and just kind of. Location, kinda, location, location. It's everything, there's right? always, yeah, there's always prime, prime real estate. So, um, you know, every city is going to have prime real estate, right? Just in terms of, of density of delivery. Density, right, is always the name of the game in, in transportation. So uh, there's going to be prime real estate in that way. We, you know, we, in all of the different segments that we're working in, we still see uh, prime territory in Florida, of course, because everybody wants to retire there. They want those mm. kind of re- easy retirement businesses uh, to operate. So we're always going to see prime in Florida, markets like Texas, California. I never understand the California part, but it's still <laughs> always a prime market. Right, right, right. <laughs> Um, we've actually seen the Southeast in general really growing in popularity too. So states like Tennessee and Georgia uh, have really become pretty prime markets as well. Um, you'll always see New York as a prime market. Um, so Ohio tends to be a prime market as well, um, okay. but uh, across the board, right? So you'll see different things. But those are going to be your your key states where we see a lot of a lot of interest in traffic. Got it. And a typical route, how many deliveries are on a route? What does a typical route look like? I know they're all probably built differently, but just an average route would look something like what if somebody was interested? Yeah. So um, in the in the bread space, in the bread space, yeah. yeah. So in the bread space, uh, on a typical route, you know, they're probably hitting five stores max uh, would be just a, a rough example, you know, five stores max. And it's again, just going to depend on the store. So if you think about it, you get up in the day and then you go hit um, somewhere between three and five different grocery stores and you're stacking and organizing bread. Yeah. You start at the DC <laughs> and then you go and stack That's your right. bread and yeah. deliver it and you come home and, and you're, you're all good back. to get. What, what would you say if any are the major challenges in this business, if you could think of any, what's the, what's the, the, the difficult side of it? Cause I mean, we talked about a lot of the positives. What, what's tough about this business? Yeah. You know, I think like a lot of spaces still today, staffing, you know, continues to be a challenge, right? Because, um, albeit this is not quite as physically strenuous of work as the FedEx delivery is, but it's 
it's still physically strenuous work, right? So you're still uh, dragging pallets of bread uh, in and out of trucks, you know, as you're going to, to load and unload daily. Um, so, you know, that's, that's a big piece of it. I think, uh, also, so there's, there's nuances between actually delivering the bread. Cause at the end of the day, right. It's just like transportation, getting cardboard from one place to another, right. It's not rocket science, you right, know, right. <laughs> it's just how quick can you do it? How densely can you do it? How efficiently can you do it? Um, same thing with the bread. You're just getting it from point A to point B. Uh, I think as you scale the businesses, you're going to have, um, old school stops where we refer to them in the bread space as cash stops. So situations where, you know, maybe it's a mom and pop store that they're used to paying cash and so they don't have all of the systems to be able to, you know, digitally process payment. Um, so you have to watch that for like theft is a big one in that space that you want to have really good controls and systems um, like, you know, we uh, fuel is another and we have a fuel card um, that we do for a lot of our FedEx operators to help them control and, and get good discounts on fuel. But it's more about having security parameters in place to make sure that you can control the fuel that is being purchased and you get alerts when things are outside the bounds of what's expected. It's going to be the same thing in the bread space. So loss prevention uh, from from staff is is a really big challenge that you want to be mindful of as you're trying to scale in the bread space. Um, but that's that's probably one of the biggest. Got it. What about technology? How, how does tech come into play? Do you guys have any type of um, software you're using to track routes. Can you can you talk about how that works? Yeah, so there's some interesting players doing some dev in the background on it, but right now, you know, the the bread space from a sophistication standpoint and technology is a lot like FedEx was, uh, you know, 20 years. All right, guys, Truck and Hustle has now partnered with Transpo CFO, powered by Venning. Transpo CFO offers a streamlined monthly subscription for businesses to consolidate their accounting, payroll, and tax needs into one flat monthly rate, saving businesses a tremendous amount of time and money while making their financial operations much smoother for the long road ahead. Check out Transpo CFO in the description below and tell them Truck and Hustle sent you. Now, let's get back to the show ago meaning just archaic technology <laughs> no tech at all <laughs> yeah fedex has gotten a little bit better but you know it's still pretty i feel like sometimes it's like dos you know internet yeah, 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 like it's sure. just brutal for sure. uh we're doing dial up here so um <laughs> it's it's very similar in the bread space uh but i think we're we're seeing some some fun technology being developed in the background that will hopefully help optimize that but it's it's I don't, i'm waiting for tech to really hit the logistics sector it seems like we're gonna be the last ones to go you guys i don't know <laughs> I, I think you're right yeah i think you're right what, what about in terms of like insurances and stuff like that i mean if you have loss the something happens with the bread who's responsible for that type of stuff can you kind of talk about that yeah loss prevention is definitely a piece you know as well and so that one is one that really varies bakery to bakery um in terms of how it's it's structured and and you know we're going to dive in, in some of our content to some of the nuances between the different bakeries with this but um the difference of basically whether as the bread route operator you're purchasing the bread directly from the bakery and then you're responsible for whether it gets sold or not oh they, right? they, there's, there's a model like that there too. is a model like that yep okay. and then there there are other models where you know you are basically um placing the order for the bread but it's based on fulfillment that you actually get charged and there's essentially an allotment an allowance for returns uh, of that bread because not every single loaf is going to move but as a bread route operator one of your big objectives is to try to manage that inventory so for example when we went into the to the depot in the morning it was literally, you know, we're down hands and knees 
organizing the shelves to try to pull any old bread up to the front, make sure it's not expired. We're pushing the new stuff back. So it's like, yeah, if you want your bread fresh, you better reach for the back. But you're making mm. some poor bread distributor be like, ah, I was trying to sell that. <laughs> you know that other one. But that's a little inside hack just for you guys. Truck and definitely make sure you pull your bread from the right back. There. I yeah. always do that. I pull the milk, the bread, everything from the back. Because yeah. you look at the expiration dates. Yeah. And you always see the, the new stuff is all the way in the back. That's so right. I'm always I, digging in the back. I do too, except for now, it's like I've gotten all empathetic about it. And you I'm like, bad. oh, I really like, don't want to mess sell them last up. Week's I'm bread. like, oh, I can drink this by then, you know? <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, that's funny how when you have yeah. that inside knowledge, it changes, changes the way things. you are. Yeah. That is that is cool. Okay, so just just to clarify that, so there's there's the model where the, the, the person, the contractor, they purchase the bread from the bakery. And then it's on them to sell that bread. So they have to certain purchase a certain amount of inventory. Um, they have to fund that. And then they sell it and they can make whatever the margins on the bread. That's right. So how, is there like guidance around that? Like how do they know what to charge for the bread? Like can you yeah. talk about that? Yeah. So actually in our bread courses, we're going to dive into these very questions because this, this is cool. Is, I, lo- I love this. Again, topic. it's like an <laughs> underground market you don't even know is happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so actually when we were talking earlier about the cash stops, again, that's one of the parts I'm really excited about getting to coach bread route operators on is that, yes, you have loss prevention, theft prevention that you want to manage. But that's actually where a lot of the opportunity to drive margin and prop, uh, and revenue is available. Because, for example, just like you're saying, if you're purchasing the bread at a set price, you know you have that sales and marketing ability to get out into your territory and upsell that bread and upcharge that bread. And so, a lot of times, those cash stops that aren't you know large corporate accounts like Walmart that they've got agreed to pricing that they're getting from Bimbo, right? If instead you're dealing with more of those mom and pops in a territory, you have a lot more ability to to pack margin, you know, in and and be in control of your own fate there. How does how would a bread route bread route operator market themselves? Like, is there like a place where like all the the different uh, stores are looking for the operators? Like, how how would they know how to? Or they just are they just walking in the store and say, "Hey, I got bread for five dollars a loaf." Yeah, it's it, it's a lot like that, you know. And actually, so we're and we're working with a group that's helping. Uh, like no bread route operators are doing pay-per-click advertising in their territory, right? That's right? Exactly. Yeah, but we're working with a group right now that's building out solutions to be able to offer that so that it'll help, you know, elevate what's happening in the bread space. I'm really excited about that. Uh, and then a lot of it, yeah, is just, you know, it's like door-to-door sales all over again, right? But hustle. hey, you know, you probably get a free lunch out of it at least, <laughs> you know? So it's like, hey, I'm your bread guy, but I want to need a sandwich, you Right, know? right, right, for sure. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Okay. And then, and then the other model that you spoke about was what? Refresh me again. You said one is buy the bread directly and then you sell it. And then the other one was what? Yeah. So on, on the flip side, you can essentially act as more of just an order taker that's basically facilitating um, here's the amount of ordering that needs to happen. You're not actually purchasing the bread. And then there's an allowance for um, for for bread that goes bad basically that doesn't get sold so it's it's different with the different bakeries as to whether you're kind of on the hook for what goes bad versus hey there's an allowance for what's going to go bad here so just stay within that range and they're going to you know coach you or you know smack you on the hand if you're outside of that allowance but you're not actually you know absorbing the brunt of of any of that uh, allowance and, and this is so this is just based on the bakery 
and how they how they kind of how they set up their business right because again it kind of goes back to that concept and and as as we enter this space you know we're going to help streamline and bring that information and standardize that information to make it available for investors is you know a huge part of what we're trying to solve for is you know how do you know right what what's the right bread option for me which one you know has maybe less risk but more upside potential versus you know the other so that's one of the things that we're looking to be able to streamline for our investors that are coming into the space and, and trying to get into bread is let's make sure you do it the right way and that you choose the right partner that aligns you know for your goals some of some of the the routes are more about high volume but it's lower margin some of the routes are high margin lower volume uh, so just again learning learning about what's what's the right fit for you is an important part got it isn't there this is like kind of like off topic but on topic isn't there like a thing with the bread like the the color of the the twist the band on yeah. it is for a certain day yeah is they, that real? they do they actually have like expiration is one of the flags because and i had to go through and update the stickers which is crazy and also you can be way harder on bread than i realized like they sling <laughs> the bread around just right. with no concern right for the tell, bread. My, tell my wife that please yeah, she's always yeah. yelling at me for like putting the apples on yes, top I'm of like, the bread I do she's the like it's same. gonna get squished yeah it's never gets squished yeah, it's gonna be I all right the exact same. i basically <laughs> built a fortress around the bread you know in the grocery cart and i'm like these guys are just slinging the pallets i'm like the buns will survive apparently so it's been wild that is funny that is funny the world of bread routes the world of bread all right you guys got to definitely go to where where can they find more information about this stuff uh www.routeconsultant.com no s route consultant no s route consultant no s.com all right cool so we got the bread routes popping. That's yeah. that's one thing we talked about the leasing of the of the of the uh, the step vans. How's that business going for you guys? It's been amazing. Again, fastest growing uh, lease provider. Really, one of the only full service lease options in the space. So there's a lot of options for leasing in the space, but to to find one where it's full service that again you can fix that repair and maintenance cost is huge. Uh, we've got amazing promotions happening right now uh, for contractors coming in that basically gets them out of having to pay rentals for peak season, which is huge uh, to be able to offer that in the space. We're excited about that. Uh, and then again, just being able to to really expand that and bring bring that to more contractors uh, has been a blast. Plus, you know, with obviously interest rates doing what interest rates are doing right now, that has a huge impact on many of the segments of our business. But uh, it's actually been really great in our leasing side because, you know, if you think about it with some of the shifts that we're seeing in the economy, you know, for, for contractors to be able to get into this space and not have to put so much cash up front with like down payments on purchases and they're not signing these huge notes with high interest rates. Instead, they're just fixing themselves at a payment, way lower CapEx. You know, it's not on the balance sheets uh, in the same way. It, it has a really big impact. So for sure. Have you guys got into the EV space yet? You know, we've dabbled with EV. I, I think it's a it's a lot further away uh, than than any of us even thought, and we thought it was pretty far away. And I think it's way further than that. It's it's more about the infrastructure uh, for most of the facilities that just getting us to a place like as a society, not just a, a last mile network, um, where where we have the ability to efficiently charge these vehicles uh, on site. The the construction required to retrofit the terminals all across the United States to really effectively be able to charge. We're so far away from that. Yeah. I believe I was talking with somebody. Um, I forgot. I think I was reading something. I, I, I was at a conference and I think FedEx was talking about, they're trying to go like 80% electric. 
Yeah. By a certain time frame. Yeah. I, Did you hear that? Yeah, I heard it. We'll see because with the fleet side, one of the things that we've been seeing with FedEx is like we just keep seeing the needle move on when fleet changes are going to roll out. Like that was a, a pretty hard hit in the last year that we saw in the FedEx space of, you know, a lot of contractors were working to retrofit their vehicles with all of the latest safety technologies. So the FCAM and the lane departure and uh, all those different pieces. But what we've, the, the needle has been moved basically and all of those goals have really been pushed out. I think with a lot of the pressures happening in the FedEx space, a lot of the changes in the economy. So I think we are still seeing the can kick down. And, and I think most of the EV conversations that you're talking about, there's really going to be more on FedEx's fleet and, and less yeah, on the contractor network. For, for sure. So. How has the global economy impacted your 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 business, everything that you're doing? I mean, are investors a little bit more shy? Are they like not, you know, talk, talk about how that's impacting yeah. your world. Yeah. So, you know, I think obviously in in the last mile space, right, we always watch, you know, economic trends and we're watching for consumer spend changes. Uh, You know, we it's been a crazy ride since COVID. So as you can imagine, that was just such a wild time. And so in the aftermath of COVID, you know, there was a little bit of a pullback in inventory or in volume, I should say that it, you know, consumer spending sort of leveled out a little bit post pandemic. And so we saw some pull pullback from that, you know, over the last two years, but it seems like we've really hit kind of a stable turning point now where we're seeing, you know, steady volume, even increasing again, trends on consumer spend. I think with speculation in the market, right, we could see things, you know, change in that space on consumer spend, which is certainly going to have an impact. And then that all flows through for us, you know, on business valuations, of course, where, you know, you have buyers coming into the space and looking at volume trends, revenue trends, uh, and and wondering, you know, what's going to happen in the space now that we're outside, you know, for as far as we know of the window of COVID, uh, with people, everybody talking about the economy the way that they are, what's that going to do to consumer spending? So we've definitely seen some of that in the in the buyer markets of, of what's going to happen. But I think we look back at a history in the FedEx space in particular of incredible resilience against uh, recessionary times. So mm. our businesses is one of the few that did really well uh, in the recessions of 2008. So in the, the last mile space, we, we did really well during that time, or at least didn't crumble like a lot of businesses right. did. Right. Um, and so that's been, I think, a, a positive catalyst in terms of buyer interest is saying, let's be in a space that has a history of being recession resistant. Not Again, another reason why we're getting into bread, right? Bread, milk, and eggs, been you know? Forever. <laughs> right? Be around. Been around that's forever. right. Everybody needs it. Yeah. Um, so we've seen that. I think the bigger impact for us is less on the economy and, and those pieces and more just interest rates as a whole. So as interest rates climb, you know, buyers coming into the space looking at, um, you know, leverage and carrying a high debt payment is is intimidating, right, with, with rates doing what they're doing. But we've really been making some initiatives on the banking front. We've got some really cool partners right now, some that are doing, like, um, no origination fees on loans, which saves, you know, buyers coming into the space, having to come up with quite as much capital up front, which has been really nice. Um, and, and just some, some competitive offerings in terms of rates uh, and creative deal structures. So we've been really working on the banking front to find good partners. So whether you're coming into the FedEx space or the bread space, you know, our goal remains to try to get you in at um, a sustainable debt service and um, try to minimize that cash up front that's needed. 
Got it with the with, with the bread routes. Just real quick, are you guys also purchasing bread routes and running them as well operationally, or are you more so focused on facilitating the transactions between buyers? Yeah. So for us, we are definitely more focused on the the services side uh, and less in the operation space. So again, we've partnered with a couple amazing bread route operators. So we've actually kind of found the the bread route operators that you know scaled and broke the model and built and did what we did in the FedEx space and yeah. have said, hey, let's synthesize the knowledge that you know you've acquired over the last 20 30 years of doing this um, and then be able to bring that to our clients and you know, using our systems in a way that can help educate them and, and usher them into the space successfully can you give me an example of like somebody who's like not, you don't got to say their name obviously but like a story of somebody who like started with one bread route and they went to 895 yeah that's, that's yeah. <laughs> Like, that's you know, a lot of bread. Okay, <laughs> that's a lot of bread. But you know that that yeah. one story, or yeah. I'm sure there's multiple. But oh yeah, we're we're meeting amazing people in the space. As one like father son duo in particular that we've really been working with, um, that you know um, like immigrants coming to the country. You know the dad, right? So first generation U.S. really trying to find a way to build a life for his family here and. Uh, broke all the, literally, I guess, I'm trying to think of a bread pun. Broke the mold. You, you, I guess it's the broke mold, the mold. The mold. I guess because I'm thinking, yeah, is that bread? Me, bread go does mold. It. Yeah, we're going to. Well, and it, it yeah. uh, rye bakes in the mold. It rises. Yeah. 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 He broke the bunt pan. Broke the no, I'm just like, <laughs> the bunt cake he pan. He broke the bun pan. <laughs> <laughs> that one was a reach. I'm sorry, yeah, guys. It was I a apologize. Little, it was definitely cut a reach, that, but yeah. it, it's all right. We are bound to fail at some point. I know, you know what right? I mean? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so basically, you know, came in and built this business and what he's actually done is kind of similar to what we did in the FedEx space is, you know, he would take, take a territory, get it running right, right. Build it up to a couple of trucks and then turn around and sell that off to somebody else mm. and then bring in and, you know, go, go bid for another territory, build it up, optimize things, run it efficiently and turn around and do that. So he's literally replicated the same model and successfully done so. Uh, and then we got connected with his son uh, who has, you know, grew up again, we have members of our team that are kind of the same way, but, you know, grew up in a bread depot. Right. And so, you know, right. he just knows it forwards and backwards. And so they've been an amazing partnership and uh, helping us kind of transition our services into to really making sense for bread route operators. So OK, amazing, amazing. All right. So as the CEO of Route Consultant, what keeps you up at night? What are the things that are important to you? I know you guys have a lot of different verticals. How do you manage everything? How do you how do you juggle all the workload? Tell tell me about it. Oh, that's such a that was a loaded question. It is a loaded question. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think the things that keep me up at night, right, like probably any any other CEO is, you know, you you build a team, you build a business, um, and it's it's just all about making sure that you can, you know, see and chart that that future, right? And and that you see that path. And so I think probably a lot of CEOs out there right now, just hearing all the talk and all the conversations happening, it's it's a crazy time, right, to be leading a business. And so I think, you know, some of the things that I'm really proud of in our team that, you know, we've always kept at the forefront is really adaptability and like our ability to, you know, not be so set in our ways and not be so you know, restricted to, to anything that we know, but instead say, Hey, let's get outside of our comfort zones and, you know, whatever the, the current climate uh, produces, we're going to adapt and we're going to evolve. And so I think that's 
one of the things that I think about at night is, you know, we've been in this crazy growth trajectory, you know, for the last now almost decade that, you know, every year doubling in size, adding 5, 10, 15, 20 people to the team, you know, having to just build and scale, you know, and then seeing our economy shift in a lot of ways to where, you know, I talk and, and spend all day on the phone with entrepreneurs, right? Small business owners. And again, we're, we're doing a lot of work outside of just the FedEx space now. And so, you know, talking to people in different sectors and a lot of people are not growing like crazy right now. A lot of people are having to learn how to maintain or some even downsizing. And so I think, you know, as a as a CEO, one of the things I that keeps me up at night is just, you know, managing the culture and the mindset of my team and saying, as the world around us changes, how do I make sure that, you know, we are still bringing our A game, that we're all in the right headspace every day, um, and that, you know, we're still bringing fresh ideas and still driving towards growth because at the end of the day, you know, if you're not growing, you're dying. So um, the, those are the things. If, if you ask me at a high level, that's what keeps me yeah, up at yeah, night. Yeah, that, 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 that's high level. And, and, I mean, that's a great answer. I mean, I think that is um, you guys have this you, – you guys have found your niche – yeah. Right. And you guys do it well. And I think that's, you know, the catalyst to your success because you you don't do what everybody else does. You know, you guys have your thing. You do it. You do it at a high level. And if anybody needs the services, they only have one pe- person to go to. Yeah. Yeah. Who else are they going to go to? Like they have to come see you guys. Right. That's so when it. you when you position yourself in that market to where it's like you we you have to go. See, you have to come see us yeah. is, is what it is. Yeah. So that's that's great. What is on the horizon for you guys? What's what's the plans for 24 Q4 2024? What are you guys thinking about? Yeah. Um, you know, we've we've really got a great team in place. And so, uh, as I mentioned, it, 2024 is a lot about us. And, and again, you'll see this reflect on our website over the course of 2024 and, uh, or at, the start of Q4 and the beginning of 2024 is what you'll really see is a lot of new verticals in specifically the consulting and brokerage space, but all staying in that route business, those logistics uh, areas where we can really help other niches like FedEx, but that have similar problems, like have similar challenges, rely on similar resources where we can take the things that we offer and that we figured out how to do well um, and apply it there. So that's that, that's really where a lot of, you know, my energy is focused for Route Consultant right now is saying, hey, how do we take these things um, and be able to serve a, a wider logistics market in, you know, everything from, again, the bread routes to, you know, we've been uh, actually working on with lawn care routes. I was just about to say, or, is there another one that you yeah, guys are working I've on? Got, I've got several that we're working on right I now. I was going to so, say, what's the other one? Yeah, lawn care routes. Yeah, we're working routes. on lawn care routes. You know, we're working on ambulance routes, which is really a crazy thing. Most people don't realize that. that ambulance non-emergency routes. Non-emergency ambulance routes is a really big thing. <laughs> So, Non-emergency medical transport. That's right. Yeah. Wow. That's a huge, huge industry. It's a $20 billion industry. Yeah. Um, that, you know, and I want that one because I didn't know this actually that a big thing in uh, the non-emergent ambulance routes is that they get movie set gigs. So you have to have like a paramedic on site posted up for the movie uh, set just in case. Yeah. Just hanging out. They're gonna be like, why is the yeah, CEO of Rock Consultant just sore out? elbow? You know, I'm like that's <laughs> why is he standing out there next to the non-emergency medical transport vehicle? Are yeah, we- <laughs> yeah. So that's yeah, a that crazy is cool. Space. 
you know, we've done a lot of work in the Amazon space too, and we'll continue to provide services there for Amazon DSPs. So um, we've just got a lot of fun irons in the fire right now that um, it's, it's been, we've been getting to meet really great people. And again, you know, I spent really the first 10 years with Route Consultant, not just trying to build all of these systems for the FedEx space, but really building a team and building systems and processes that I knew would be able to serve a much larger uh, customer base. And so rinse and repeat. We're yeah, we're ready to we're ready to copy paste, copy paste, copy paste. Man, man, amazing business. All right. Well, I think we talked about a, did we did we cover everything? We talked talked about a lot. I think we talked about a lot. Is there anything that I missed though? I just want to make sure I cover everything. Um, I'm really excited to see everybody at Freight Fest. Oh yeah, Freight uh, Fest. That is a big we, one. We, we're gonna be doing some more of this talking. You wanna learn about the bread routes and all this good stuff in person and meet with the plug herself. <laughs> <laughs> she will be yeah. in Houston. Yeah. All right, so Freight Fest, what else? What else we got? Coming yep, up? we've got yeah, upcoming what you know, stuff for route up? consultants. Yep. So uh we're gonna be doing we j- just wrapped up in July our expo in Las Vegas this year. Uh, we're gonna be in Dallas next year. So next summer, uh details on our website, but uh we're gonna be in Dallas. Uh, taking over the uh, the Gaylord Convention Center there um, for our expo. And again, that one's going to be catered to FedEx, but also bringing in uh, in some of these other silos that, that we've been spreading out to. Um, so that's exciting. If you want more information on uh, any of the different silos, again, uh, stay up to date on our website because we're going to be launching new courses regularly uh, over the course of the next uh, three to six months. So we're really excited about that. Uh, we've got our live in-person summits if you ever want to come to our offices and learn specifically on the FedEx space. But uh, you'll start seeing that content cater to some of the other fun things we're working on, too. So. And you guys produce a lot of content on YouTube, too. We do. We are constantly uh, dropping dropping new footage. We do weekly webinars every week uh, with just the, the latest of what's going on. We're going to be launching bread webinars here shortly. So okay. uh, if you're if you're really looking for business on basically how to get into some sort of last mile related route business that uh, you're wanting to scale and and build a business effectively there, whether it's your first time in entrepreneurship or whether you're a repeat offender, you know, just <laughs> trying, yeah, <laughs> yeah, just trying to diversify. Um, we, you know, we want to be there to, to more than anything, again, help you find the right fit and, and then figure out how to do it without making a lot of painful mistakes. Cause certainly we have, we've made a lot of made painful them all, mistakes. Right? Yeah. yeah. Make sure you guys shoot over there to It's route consultant, right? Yeah. yeah Cause you guys have oh, tons of YouTube. videos up. Yeah, route yeah, on consultant. YouTube. Yeah. www.routeconsult. You said like 30 times. I don't yeah. Got that. Yeah. Like, but go to the YouTube channel also. Cause they have tons of information, tons of resources, live webinars, all kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, that's great, valuable, free information. Yeah. All right, Annalie, um, I think we're going to wrap it up because we've been just going and going and going. I could talk to you forever. I'm just so interested in what you guys are doing and just how you've built your business. Really cool. Really, really unique. Um, As we close out, we always close with two things. Number one, let everybody know where they can connect with you directly and learn more about Route Consultant. You said that, but where they can find you. And then lastly, we always close with a final thought, and that is something that is spiritual, entrepreneurial, um, wherever, whatever comes from your heart, just a final jewel to leave for the audience. So let's start where people could, yeah, you got to get into that mode. Oh, yeah, you got to get, yeah. (laughs) You see, you, you, you feel me. You see where I was going. 
Yes, that's right. Ready? All right, so let's start. Where where they can find you? Yes, so very accessible on our website, but also you can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, My name's Annalie Kate, and you can also find me on Facebook. But uh, either either way, any one of those uh, avenues will get you in touch with me directly. Um, And then, I guess a final thought. Um, I I love this one. So, you know, one of the things I think right now in entrepreneurship and and in general is right there's there's so many people you know wanting to be entrepreneurs right and getting into entrepreneurship and telling you how to do it and how to make a buck and how to you know build businesses and all those things and I think one of the things for me that has been I guess insightful is a lot of people I think when they're trying to start a business or get into entrepreneurship focus on the idea or the what they're gonna do or that they get really attached even to an idea um, or, or the systems and the how they're going to do it. And like I know, again, going through this through our business right now, you can't be so attached to what you know. I've actually learned it's more about the people and the team that you build. So I think for me, if I had any, I guess, entrepreneurship nugget that I would want to leave, it's really investing in developing a team around you is I think the biggest catalyst to scaling a business and actually being able to pivot and succeed in whatever you do. And it's not so much about the business itself. It's about the ability to scale it and to deliver service. Um, so I, I, I tell my team this sometimes I would tailor, I think Steve Jobs is pretty well known for saying, uh, if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. That's right. But I like the riff of saying, if you really develop a team, then you can go far really fast. Mm. So that's that was my takeaway is what we've done at Route Consultants to be able to scale um, the way that we have over the last few years. It's all through building an incredible team and investing in that team and knowing that it doesn't matter if we're doing FedEx or bread or anything else. I know I can rely on excellence from the people around me. And that has really made the difference in our business. So that's right. You're going to win regardless what sport you're playing. That's right? right. That's right. Doesn't matter. It's all transferable knowledge. All right, Hustle Fam, Hustle Fam. This has been another amazing episode. We're gonna wrap. I gotta, I gotta tell Anna Lee where the good cheesesteak spot is at now, right? You promise. We're, go, we're yes. going to Philly. The, the messed up thing is, I'm not really a Philly person, but I'm gonna find a spot for you. <laughs> I, I really stay in Jersey. I stay in my bubble. I don't go over the bridge too much. Yeah. But we'll find a spot for you. As long as the bread's good. Got it. Got to get one more in there. <laughs> All right, y'all. We are about to wrap. This has been another amazing episode. If you don't respect it, your whole perspective is whack you know what we do around this time if you smell something burning it's only a desire myself annalee kate route consultant we are out if you twisted confused or stuck about trucks don't be dumb this is the place to come truck and hustle let's go